Welcome to Tea for Two Dominance. I am Miss Sugar Spice and this is my delicious friend, Exacting One. We are two curvaceous, lusty dominants who live the BDSM lifestyle 24-7. We are active in the Melbourne BDSM and alternative lifestyle scene. We welcome you to a very kinky conversation. So make yourself a cup of tea and enjoy. Warning, this podcast discusses adult concepts and ideas and is intended for 18 plus listeners. If you are under 18, go away. Now. Hi, it's Miss Sugar Spice and I'm here with Exacting One and we're just about to record a podcast that we'd like to put a trigger warning on. We will discuss things that may trigger you and we will be talking about childhood trauma and abuse. Be safe. Hello, boys, girls and others. And we are back for another weekly installment of Tea for Two Dominance. I'm here, exacting one, and I have with me Miss Sugar Spice. I am here also. And today we are contemplating, after discussions of our own prior to getting on... Podcast ready. Yes, there we go. Prior <laughs> <laughs> to setting up all our equipment and actually recording. Yes. We are... Asking the question, is there a correlation between being kinky, kinky, being, you know, actively engaged in this lifestyle Mm. and historic child abuse? Mm. And this is a question that I've asked a lot over the last 10 years because I feel like probably 90% of the people I talk to in this lifestyle have some kind of history like that. Mm, I agree. And it's a question I've often asked myself as well, because every second person has a story. And it's a story that's that can be quite horrific and quite, you know, jarring to listen to. And somehow they've found themselves in the kinkster lifestyle, having kinky thoughts, doing kinky things, and feeling 1000% comfortable with that version of themselves. And quite often I've asked the question, hmm, is it somehow related? And, and I, I agree with you. I will say that as a very small child, my earliest memories are of abuse. Mm. It's a two for two in this room. So we both have history of child abuse. So of varying, you know. Degrees obviously. and, and lengths of time. Yeah. But we both do. And we've both found ourselves in this lifestyle, happily living this lifestyle as dominant women. And most submissives that I speak to have some form of abuse in their history. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that only people who have been sexually abused will become kinksters or only people that have been physically abused will become kinksters. Or all kinksters have been abused. That's right, because there there are always people that are not a, are not a part of this, you know. But I, I think even if we take it away from abuse... And I think we would probably get 100% of the kinkster community in this is that, all right, not 100%, like, Mm. you know, that's probably a bit extreme. Mm. But the majority, I would say, have had some significant trauma in their early life. I think, yes, I I would agree with that. Mm. The other thing I would say is that while I'm well aware that many males have experienced this abuse, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like based you know based on anecdotal evidence that probably the number of females is higher i agree and i think that that may have to do with the fact that for a male 
to be sexually engaged at a younger age, it's boys being boys or, you know, uh, it's looked on as, as them getting experience and, you know, oh, well, that's normal for experimenting. Yes. Whereas with a female, there's that whole virtue Mm. sort of thing that we experienced during the eighties. If you're not a virgin when you get married, you're not a good girl kind of thing. I was so not a good girl. Oh, well, <laughs> you and me both, sister. <laughs> um, but I think that I think that it's, you know, a, a, a societal or a cultural viewpoint, mm. maybe that, you know, that focuses that as more. And I think a lot of girls, too, rewrite. Well, no, that I don't want to say that. But I, I think that sometimes... History is reframed because if you were sexually active, you were not a good girl kind Mm, of thing. mm. And you don't want your parents or your friends or your future husband hearing about that. Mm. Mm. Look, I I know for myself and and probably one of the reasons why I fit very easily into the dominant role is that, that it is rewriting what... You know, it's the polar opposite to what I felt as a child. I wasn't, yep. I yep. wasn't in control. I had no say. I was, you know, um, at, at at you know somebody's, you know, disposal really for for anything that they wanted. And as a as a dominant woman, I've taken back all of those things that were stripped from me as a child in like, you know, those formative years where you learn how to be, you know, independent and you learn how to make decisions that are for the best interest of yourself. Whereas now I have, you know, reclaimed all of those. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of kink work and I'm calling it work here can be very healing and can actually change the way that you view yourself. Or, or that your submissive views themselves. I 100% agree, and I'll tell you why. My This would have been when I first met my second owner. I had separated from my first husband, and he had come back into my home at a time that I wasn't there. My daughter was there with a sitter. And when I arrived back home, he shut off all the lights, and as I walked into the house, he attacked me and assaulted me sexually. And... For quite some time after that, I couldn't stand to be touched mm. by by anyone. Mm. You know, even even touching my daughter was was difficult, and it was something I knew that I needed to do for her sake. But it was difficult, mm. and it took meeting my second owner and the first time that that we were together intimately, he held me down and and really encouraged me to struggle and to work through mm. this trauma. Yeah. And um, I, I am not suggesting that will work for everyone. In fact, no. I, I actively it, uh, discourage trying it because mm. it could have gone so horribly wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. But in my case, that and some counseling and, uh, you know, a, a steady relationship allowed me to work through what I needed to work through. Mm. And I agree. And like there are, there are people in the kink lifestyle who, um, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, like, you know, rape fetishes and, mm. and kidnapping mm. fetishes. And, you know, I'm quite into the kidnapping thing. I'd quite like to put someone in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But 
you know, a lot of people, um, well, sorry, I won't say a lot of people. I will say some people have indicated that they've actually had a rape trauma in their in their history. Uh-huh. And the reason that they fantasize about and want to experience a controlled consensual, non-consensual sexual rape situation is that so that they can actually reset what happened in their brain and take control because they're then in control of it and I you know I 100% you know think that there is a great possibility that some forms of bondage and discipline can actually change the way people feel about themselves if you've been repeatedly hit as a child and made to feel like shit and then you find a dominant who, you know, you obviously consent to to um, impact play. And you find a dominant who works through those emotions, lets you cry, lets you experience, you know, the, the thrill of, you know, everybody knows that thrill of when you get spanked. I mean, I'm a dominant and I love to be spanked. But it, it allows you to... To be, you're in control. You're in uh-huh. control of the situation, whereas you were never in control as a, as a child or as a minor. In my case, my daughter was sleeping in her room, less than ten feet from where this assault was was going on, mm. and I remember not wanting to scream, not wanting to struggle too much because I didn't want her to wake up and come in and see what her father was doing to her mother. Mm. Mm. And by putting me in that situation again, where I was able to scream, I was able to fight back. I was able to, you know, try to escape and, and change the way that situation ended for me. That was cleansing. That that was a huge part of what I needed because there was there was always that thought in my head that well I hadn't screamed I hadn't struggled too much I hadn't you know fought back so how you know maybe he really did think that I liked it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think um, you know I like rough sex. I mm. like to be choked. I like a bit of you know spanking and, and you know a bit of hard play, but you know. I'm now in control of all of that. Mm-hmm. I um, and even when I was, um, you know, dabbling in in submission and switching and you know bottoming, I still liked it, but I was still in control because I played with responsible people who told me I was in control. Absolutely, you, just, you, know, yeah. you use your safe word and that's it. It's all over. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that that I think that people find themselves dabbling in kink because a part of our brain has learned that that is normalized behavior. You know, some of the kinky aspects of of um, of our lifestyle. And but then it opens up and it becomes this exhilarating ability to like be able to free yourself from everything in the past. And I, I know personally, like if I if I speak personally about my own situation, I've had play scenes where, you know, I have had the living shit beaten out of me and I've gone home bruised, battered. I've cried for three days, not because of what happened to me, but because I was never able to do it when I was beaten to a pulp as a child. So, you know, I know for me, I, you know, I, I monitored my mental health very closely when I was first in the kink, in the kink scene, because I knew that it was going to be very confronting and you don't always want to tell people, Hey, by the way, you know, I have an abusive background and, 
you know, I may react weirdly to what is about to happen. Now, I was very fortunate and I played with some really lovely, well, the most amazing humans actually I've ever met in my life. And I was able to be really open with them and say, I want to try this, but like, I might freak out. And everybody was super cool with it. And I was able to work through so much more than I had ever worked through with my therapist. So I think, I think sometimes for myself, I sort of, this came to a, came to me at a part, at a time in my life where I was ready to face those things mm-hmm. in a, in, in a more brutal way than just talking about them. And believe you me, some, some stories are brutal just to listen to, mm-hmm. but I was ready to do this in a brutal way that was, that was more than talking. And I just think that, you know, it can be very beneficial. It's not going to be beneficial to everybody. No, Some people not. are going to, you know, freak out and withdraw and, and you know, not be able to, to deal even even worse than they were coping in the, in the first place. No, and, and, and let me just break in there for a second and say, you know, this isn't something that you decide to try for your submissive without thorough communication and discussion. Mm. And this isn't something that you ask your dominant for without giving them a blow-by-blow heads up of of what you have experienced and, and what they may expect to have happen again. Mm. And I think that if you're, you know, if you're, if you come to the lifestyle and you want to reset yourself, you've also got to have a really honest relationship with your therapist. I remember the first time I went in and told my therapist I'd been spanked and it was amazing. And she just like looked at me like I was a weirdo. And then she researched BDSM afterwards because I was the first client that she had that was, was in the lifestyle. And so then she would ask me lots of questions and, and, you know, I would talk to her about the experiences and I was able to, to discuss them at a level that I had never been able to discuss them before because that physicality, you know, that, that, that actual, the physical happening, it's not imagined in your brain. You're not doing, you know, regression therapy where everything's in your brain. It's actually a physical thing that's happening to you and you can react differently and you can say different things than you were ever able to. And I found it brilliant. I loved it. Like it was was probably a little bit addictive, actually. I had a lot to work through. Now, I want to ask you, because this is something that I experienced, and I'd be very surprised if I was the only one. Mm. There was a time, and, and I'm not going to say where this place was. I'm not going to shame a whole group of people for the behavior of some. But at the time that I was involved with this particular BDSM group, I remember saying to a dominant that, you know, I experienced some abuse as a child, and I worry about how that will transfer to my experiences within lifestyle. And the response I got was kind of, yeah, you and everybody else, you know, which I found very diminishing and mm. very, uh, you know, belittling. Dismissive. Yeah, very dismissive. And, and it made me reluctant to be honest about that again in the future. Mm. And it was a long time before I was actually willing to talk about it again. Mm. because it was kind of like, so what, why are you bringing this up? Like everybody goes through this kind of thing. Mm. Mm. Now I, I do know in retrospect that, 
that that dominant is not somebody that I respect or the way that he deals with with the people that he is involved with. I just, I don't think very much of of him or, or a lot of them for that matter. But I think that in this community, you know, we're always talking about supporting each other and communicating. Mm. And I just, one more time, I just want to say, yes, a lot of us have been through abuse, but saying, yeah, you and everybody else isn't acceptable. If you don't think that you're you know, that you're okay with having that discussion with somebody else, then then you need to say to them, you know, um, I am not educated enough in this field to, to really have that discussion with you. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But you accept the responsibility for the fact that you're not able to have the discussion. You mm-hmm. don't belittle the person that's coming to you in honesty and, and in vulnerability mm-hmm. and trying to have that discussion with you. No, not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, I, th- I, I think, you know, a lot of dominants as well as a lot of submissives have have potentially experienced, and I'm going to call it trauma because, like, any form mm. of abuse is traumatic and it doesn't have to be abuse. It's trauma, loss of a parent, you know, sudden, you know, divorce and being stripped of your, of your life and moved to, you know, another state. All of those things have you know, lifelong impacts. And, and we do see a high concentration of those people joining the kink community. And, you know, I think because because of what we've been through and the therapy that we go through and the, the ability to be able to self-regulate and, you know, acknowledge when we're not coping or when something has happened that we find, you know, triggering, I think that, you know, we're we're much more better equipped we're more better equipped than general society to deal with with people who have had traumatic backgrounds however we are not psychiatrists psychologists social workers and so as a dominant if i play with somebody that potentially has you know had that type of experience in the past i will always make sure that they are linked up with somebody or they've they've got a regular um, a support person because, you know, it sometimes can be quite difficult to support people when their experience is so aligned with your own. Yes. And it's it's not that you don't want to, but it's that it's it's quite it's it's very traumatic for people who have experienced abuse to try and help somebody else go through that abuse if they're if they're not skilled with with the correct coping mechanisms. So I know that if somebody discloses something that's happened to them with me, I will help them to the best of my ability. But then I always talk to my therapist about that and say, you know, somebody disclosed to me that they had been in a situation, I felt that I didn't deal with it well or that I, you know, didn't have the skills necessary to help them. So what should I do in the future? So, you know, that that's something that I, I always do. And I think the other thing to remember is that quite often people have, who have had childhood trauma, um, not necessarily just abuse, but any form of childhood trauma, are quite often very empathetic. And yes. so we feel the pain of other people who have gone through similar experiences and we carry that pain and and even as dominance it's it's very hard to detach yourself from the emotion that somebody else has experienced so you know just just take care of yourself and make sure that you've got a good support system behind you and that you know there are if you if you're not linked in with a good therapist you know find one have a good friend and on that same note, you know, somebody can have gone through 
the the same type of trauma that you have, but need to deal with it in a different way. Mm. And because we're not trained psychologists or psychiatrists or social workers, you know, what we can do is we can listen mm. and we can share our own experience. But at the end of the day, we are not trained to know if the way that we handled it is the best way for this person to move forward. That's correct. And that needs to be left to somebody that is trained. That's right. That's right. That's a professional. And, like, I would always check up and make sure if I've played with somebody that has disclosed that information to me, I would always check up that, that they're okay. And, you know, as one of our my, my submissive and, and my play partners knows, like, you know, you can't sneak off in the middle of the night and not let us know how you are. So breakfast is always our thing. And, you know, we have um, breakfast and, and a debrief and make sure that everybody is is good coping if there's anything to talk talk about so yeah just make sure I, I think I think it's really important to make sure that that if you've been through severe trauma that you're playing with somebody that you are comfortable to talk about yes. it's really important that we know we yes. don't want to do something that's going to trigger you into a into a breakdown so I think it's really important that that as dominance we know or as you know switches or your play partner or whoever that we know and I think it's also really important that we know are you linked in with health professionals or not yes absolutely. because that would be the difference between do I call you once a day or do I call you once and then in a couple of days yep because I'm calling you once a day if you're not linked in with a health professional yep absolutely mm. yeah I agree with you yeah so it'd be really interesting to know you know from our listeners like you know, do you have a history of, of abuse? Did that lead you to the lifestyle? Do you think it's directly related or do you think it's completely unrelated and just a big coincidence? And if this was something that I picked up on earlier in our conversation, but, you know, I can remember being told as a child how shameful it was that I had had this trauma, uh, you know, like as if as a toddler, I were able to have, you know, changed the way that happened, mm, you know. Mm. But but growing up believing that there was something wrong with me mm. sexually, that there was something in, in the fact that I looked for situations that would allow me to act out sexually in a non-traditional way, mm. even though those situations were potentially dangerous in other ways. Mm, mm prior to me finding the lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's a can of worms. It's, it's something. <laughs> it's a big can of worms. And, you know, I did I did research when I first joined the, the, the scene as to, you know, whether there was a direct, like, correlation between abuse and kink because I thought, oh, maybe that's why I like it. Like, maybe that's why I like it because, like, those things happen to me. And maybe that's, you know, some weird fucked up trick thing in my brain that goes, oh, yeah, this is my happy place because this happened to me. And that's that's not it, not it at all. But, you know, no one was able to definitively tell me, no research or, or anyone that I've ever spoken to was able to definitively tell me if there was a correlation between, you know, excessive trauma in childhood and moving into the kink lifestyle. Well, I know that based on my own experience that being able to be a good girl, being found acceptable, good, excellent, and even eventually extraordinary, allowed me to rework some of the traumas that 
I had experienced at a younger age. There was always that couldn't please daddy mm. issue. And, you know, of course, then I end up with dominants that are literally twice my age and, you know, so mm. on and so forth. And, and so working to become pleasing to them and then working to, you know, eventually become exceptional mm. at, at what I was doing was, was part of healing all of that. Mm. And getting me to the point where I realized and understood that ultimately the person that I needed to please was myself. Absolutely. That's my, that's my ultimate goal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think I might be, you know, almost there. (laughs) Yeah. So look, I mean, you know, we're, we're having a bit of a giggle, but we don't, we don't find any of this, like it's, it's not a fun subject to discuss there's something that's come up a few times and that's why we've decided to discuss it so i mean obviously there are lots of support services if you you know need support services there's CASA, there's you know the police there's Sakesa. hmm Sakesa. yeah that's what i said didn't oh i just heard Sakesa. <laughs> there's Sakesa. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, there's private therapists, go and see your GP, mm-hmm. disclose to, a, you know, a trusted friend. There is lots of support out there for you. There is lots of, you know, assistance. So it's not just your dominance or your play partners that are there to support you. There is lots of people in the community also that are, are there to support you and also lots of people in the general community. In the healthcare community. And again, we're not we're not just limiting this to historic sexual abuse, although certainly that is predominantly what we hear. Yes. But but again it is it is any kind of trauma, you know, whether it was during a relationship or as a child or with you know, with whomever. Yeah. The the trauma that shapes you is something that you will not ever be happy until you have worked Worked through through it. it. Yeah. And also, you know, something that I realized a number of years ago was that if you have to say, I won't let this affect me, it already has. Mm, It is currently. Yeah. It's doing it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, that went fast, but we are out of time. So we know this was a heavy discussion. Just remember you can reach out to anybody and get help. Absolutely. And if you don't have anybody, reach out to us. Absolutely. We will absolutely communicate with you about this subject. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. See See you you next week. Bye. Bye. So we'd like to thank you for joining us for our kinky conversations today. And we'd like to start by thanking all of our kinky supporters. Classic Ties held at the club on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Southeast Bush Bunnies, for when you just need to be naked in nature and all tied up. JS Alternative Photography, Lux Latex and Leather Polish and Care, and The Club, Melbourne's only dedicated kink venue. For further information on these businesses, please visit our show notes.